0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Business Student Podcast. My name is Kina Jordan, and I'm delighted to be joined by my fabulous co host Amy McGrath as we talk to the wonderful Matthew Coffey all about Squid. Matthew is the co founder and CEO of Squid. Squid is a customer loyalty software that has been founded here in Ireland. I'm sure if you pop in, To any of your favourite restaurants or cafes, you'll definitely see a squid located at the checkout. But before we jump in, just a huge shout out to our amazing sponsors, Bowsie. Bowsie brings third level students like yourself and myself paid remote project work that is related to their field of study. They've also just launched some permanent jobs up on their website, so make sure to check them out at Bowsie.com. A huge thank you to Bowsi and all the support they give to the podcast We would not be able to do it without them. And without further ado, let's jump straight into this week's episode. Matthew, would you like to give us a quick introduction about yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me on in the first place. So my name is Matthew, as you were saying. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Squid. So Squid is basically a digital loyalty platform. And what we do is we put all your loyalty cards into the one app. Um So myself and co-founder Katie, uh, we founded this straight out of college. So we had no prior experience basically in anything that we were doing. So it was a lot of kind of just off the cuff, working out all the different parts that add up to being an entrepreneur or Aspiring entrepreneur, at least. And yeah, then just rolling it out. And um, now Squid is live in over a thousand locations across Ireland, the UK and Australia. Um, And we're closing in on about 150,000 people using the Squid
0: amazing so we're going international with it as well i love it could you give us a little career breakdown or education breakdown nearly so what is the the life story of matthew
1: yeah well funnily enough myself and katie had pretty much exactly the same background and stuff we both when we were finishing up in school neither of us had a clue what we wanted to do um so there was a maths teacher basically back in back in my school and I was asking him, if you don't know what to do, what should you do? And he basically said, do engineering. So it was literally on the back of that that I thought, OK, well, I better do engineering. So And then when I did that, me and Katie were both in a scholarship program together in college. So that's how we met. And we had to maintain grades for the scholarship thing. So that was initially how we started working together on different stuff. And we kind of worked out that we had a complementary sort of style of working. And so that worked really well. Basically, over a four-year period, um, so we basically did mechanical engineering. We even did the same Erasmus together. We went to Berkeley in California, um, and then when we came back, we changed. Uh, we were in UCD initially, um, and then we changed into sustainable energy engineering. It was called in um, Trinity, and again, we both did the same the same masters there. Then when we got out, it was uh, that sort of scramble of kind of again, what do we do? Should we apply for jobs? You know, all that sort of thinking. But we had this idea. While we were on Erasmus, uh, the idea of setting up a, a loyalty company again—it just seemed like a very obvious thing that that wasn't there. Of kind of putting all your loyalty cards into one place, and so yeah, so we just kind of we graduated at a funny enough time, came out kind of um, unemployed, uh, sort of Novemberish time, and uh, yeah, convinced Katie anyway that we should we should give this a go, um, and just literally just sort of went for it. So went into a few different businesses and said might this be something of interest and they started saying yep yeah. and so we went back and we found two lads who had done a bit of coding before made a prototype and launched it then in november november 2019 so pretty much the same sort of period. we we just got something very quick and got it out and yeah that's that's basically what's got me here today
0: nice that's something i love um of you and Katie kind of being each other's partners in crimes along since the time I started the podcast by myself and I actually just could not do it like I need that other person to like bounce off I think you definitely have a really great relationship where you can bounce ideas off each other and go from there
1: yeah no 100% it's definitely I think there's a lot of stats out there at the minute about how much more likely a business is to succeed when it has co-founders as opposed to single founders but no I would be completely good for Katie basically so uh, no it's always been it's been good to kind of separate focus on a few things um but Katie in particular I mean she was just brilliant to kind of at the early stage of kind of working out um what what is what exactly did both consumers and businesses want from a loyalty scheme and kind of working out the thing that sat in between them and then basic design hasn't really changed since we launched it in the first place so she got it fairly bang on right um in the first instance and now it's kind of a lot been about just layering on new bits of tech new features and yeah just kind of pushing into different markets and stuff wow,
0: that's awesome. and maybe just go back to a little bit of that kind of first few steps coming out in 2019 where we had covid absolutely everywhere were there kind of hackathons and startup events for students
1: partly when we were in university we just found out the power of like youtubing stuff <laughs> and again just the amount of kind of information that is online so coming out of engineering there's very very little um applicable to starting up a business in terms of you know um business strategy marketing um even the kind of the tech element you know all that sort of stuff uh hiring management all that kind of thing it was um, it was completely alien to us so there was uh, personally i did feel that the kind of the way that we did it in terms of just getting stuck into it And actually learning by kind of doing was definitely the most valuable way of kind of figuring it out. But, yeah, no, I think I think in terms of things that you can find online, there is there's just oodles of stuff out there, including podcasts in particular. Where um, whether just talk to like an industry expert who's you know done something in, say, marketing, for example, or management, and that's where you get the kind of they can condense their experience and deliver it out to you. And then you can take the kind of the nuggets of wisdom in there and then act on it. And I suppose that's that's the hardest part is actually condensing that in your mind and turning it into something actionable and translating it for your startup as opposed to just the general principles that are out there. But the other thing that we found was um, advisors and kind of mentors. And it was really flattering to be honest, I suppose <laughs> is the best way of putting it, that uh, there's just so many people in Ireland in particular who are willing to help young people when they want to get going. Um, and we were really, really lucky just talking to different people who were able to give us a ear on any number of different things and again you know it just it gives you so much more confidence kind of knowing that you're acting on something based on the thought process of somebody who's been there and done that but you know again you can put your own spin on it basically
0: that's class i'm a huge advocate for uh, youtube as well so i back that i back that
1: yeah no it's uh it's definitely there's just i think i think the hardest part is learning how to ask the right question um, and sometimes what I found is asking it in the most general sense. I'd almost avoid asking questions in the beginning because I thought oh, this would be thought of as a really stupid question because the answer is let's say relatively obvious. but the broader I think that you ask the question a lot of the time, uh, the more that you can get someone who's kind of an expert in in a particular field to just start talking and a lot of the times they'll tell you something that you, you literally just weren't expecting them to say it all, or it was something that you, the the phrase that we keep on using is we didn't know that we didn't know. And that's the type of stuff I think that's extremely valuable. So yeah, in general, it's kind of more if you just get like someone to just talk broadly about, again, whatever it is, sales, marketing, branding, etc. That's where you can really start to get someone who just tell you, think this way, look at it this way or something. And then you go, whoa, there's... <laughs> There's a lot there, if you know what I mean. But, um, but again, yeah, it's the fun part of all this. I think it's just there's so much learning and there's so much breadth in each kind of area of a business that you could spend literally years in each kind of aspect, just refining it and learning more and getting better at things. So it's, a, it's definitely a, it's a fun thing to do above all else working in a startup
2: fab okay thanks matthew so the next question that we had for you was you were saying with squid that it was partly when you were on your erasmus in berkeley that kind of i think that's when maybe the ideas kind of start flowing but i mean typically coming from an engineering background i mean for me i i'm and kind as the same, like we're kind of businessy background, so we would have been um, exposed to modules in, I suppose, marketing, operations, uh, entrepreneurship as well. But in engineering, um, were there any modules when you were studying engineering that overlapped, or what kind of made you decide that becoming an entrepreneur or getting involved in kind of entrepreneurship was something that you wanted to do?
1: Well, I think the first thing is uh, a focus on product when you're coming out of engineering. So you have this kind of naivety, basically, that if you build a product, that everyone wants the product and the sales and marketing, et cetera, just sort of happens. So I think that's the first learning, basically, is that that's absolutely not true. But we did start with that kind of initial focus on on product, basically. And then, you know, we, we quickly learned this phrase of product market fit. So basically finding out what market we're trying to build a product for and then making sure that the product that we're trying to build actually delivers value to that it solves a problem basically for that market and that it delivers value to them so there's a kind of an iterative um process in there where you have an assumption and then you can go and test that assumption by talking to people Um, so basically experts in that market or just you know people who people who are who are living day to day in that so for us initially that was literally just talking to people working in the likes of restaurants, coffee shops, et cetera, and basically saying, this is what we want built, And then they would basically give us feedback as to, well, that might be what you want to build, but that's not what I want. Um, and then so based on that feedback, you can go and adapt the product to it. So yeah, I think initially it was that focus on getting that initial part right of trying to you know basically work out what is the core problem here and what product can we build that will solve that problem. And then after you've hit that step, then becomes basically the the selling of it. Basically, finding out how do you how do you explain to the market to the wider market now that okay, well, this thing's now available, um, and um, you know that you can download it or you can buy it if you're a business and you can avail of it. And then that process, I suppose, of kind of um, adhering to product market fit is very difficult, and it's a kind of a very um it's a transient thing um that you have to kind of stay current with what's happening in the market new emerging products let's say that might be doing similar things to what you're doing Uh, are they finding other other things for example as you guys were saying earlier about covid you know when covid comes out it just kind of changes the status quo so you need to kind of adapt to that and start building other features which again would solve problems around um you know things like uh contactless, again, became a huge part of what people wanted is they didn't want to physically touch stuff that everyone else was touching. Being able to kind of support businesses when they went uh, offline, when they were physically shut down was again, a big thing that we had to kind of adapt to. So there's just a lot as you kind of as you move forward that you need to kind of keep vigilant as to how the market's changing and how the product basically needs to keep up with that and, and adapt to that. So sorry, that's a very long-winded answer as to how engineering might be in some way relevant.
2: No, no, that's that's perfect. Honestly, like as Kleena and I are like doing these series, like we literally just want to pick everybody's brains. So the more you get from you, the better. And like I just find, I do think it's possibly improving now, but like I find. I feel like we're kind of conditioned to think that, okay, let's say, for example, if you're doing engineering, you have to be an engineer, you know? And and like, I just find it so interesting to think like there's all these, like there's conversion masters, there's loads of different ways to do what you want to do and like in a roundabout way, it's always kind of intrinsically linked to what you kind of started out with. I just, I love that, like that. I suppose that's what I just find so interesting about college and what people might do for their undergrad, might change from their master's, might change to their PhD and then could change from their job, you know? So I um, know, but that's, that's great. And then what we were also wondering was, um, what personal qualities would you deem to be essential in the world of entrepreneurship? So maybe that might come from earlier on um, when you and Katie were starting out this journey, if there are any kind of obstacles up- that you came across that now you're kind of like okay well you know we need to obviously we're talking about adaptability there in terms of technology but is there anything else that you deem to be important in terms of um for younger people or for people in general starting off in entrepreneurship
1: uh, well i think <laughs> this this probably again probably depends on the actual business itself so i can i can only kind of talk of what's what's been good for for our business but in general i suppose you know i think uh, Coming out of something like college, it's first of all, just a willingness to learn. So as you were saying, you probably come out of, um, you know, a particular course that specializes in one aspect maybe of a business. But so having the attitude that whatever you have studied is not everything to a business. So having that kind of openness to, to respect and learn other elements of a business, you know, again, let's say for us, it was, you know, all the kind of sides around branding, marketing, hiring, management, sales, there's just, again, there's, there's so much HR, even all that kind of stuff. There's uh, so so that. And then also just suppose there's there's getting the right balance of putting your your ego, um, you know, that, that you need to be determined basically that you can do it. But I think it's also very important that you're receptive to criticism as it comes and, and basically uh, working out that a lot of the time, again, just to go back to that product market fit idea, that, a lot of it is trying to find that sweet point in between. So if you're not doing something right, to take it not as a critique of yourself, but to take it as, a, okay, that means we need to adapt something about the business so that we fall back into that kind of that sweet spot. So, you know, the, the initial part, I think, is is very unpleasant, really, um, when you get going and there's a lot of kind of people telling you that you're you're mad or you're stupid for, for doing this. Um, and then also, you know, you're not going to get it, or if you do get it right first time, fair play, but um, but you're most likely not going to get it right first time. So you're going to have to be open to taking the kind of the critique of different people and um, putting putting it into something that's actionable. So see, I think being open to learning and kind of uh, being resilient enough and open enough to take on those criticisms and kind of use it constructively were probably the two main things that helped, I think.
2: We are also wondering. Then um, there is a bit of a perception. Sometimes, I mean, Kina and I are both in internships at the moment. Um, so there is a bit of a perception that graduates um, need to have lots and lots of experience in order to be hired or even sometimes considered for roles. Do you agree with this? Or I mean, you kind of almost like leapt straight into this with after graduating. Do you agree with this? Or what? What would your thoughts be on this?
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Basically, um, I think. I think that the most important thing is. Is as I was saying that. Those kind of qualities around: do you, is the person bright? Uh, are they willing to kind of work, um, and are they determined, basically, to get to get the job done? I think that it's the company's uh, obligation to basically set up an environment for them to succeed in. So that's basically making sure that you know, if let's say if you're if you're a student and you've recently graduated and you're you're coming into a startup in particular, there's guidelines, let's say, as to how whatever kind of project you're working on should be completed. But the real value that the employee is bringing is figuring out what is the correct process, something ideally that might be repeatable. So for example, if it's kind of, um, we have a couple of guys in at the minute who've come in and they're they're working at a new way of selling squids online, as opposed to in person, basically. And I mean, again, just the speed at which they're coming up with stuff is, I think, just testament to that kind of open mindset of young people and Again, these guys, to be fair now, we, we're very lucky. These guys are exceptionally clever. But I mean, our, our take on it basically is that we need to just set up a kind of an overall look that's define basically what we want to get to, but then leave it open enough for them to kind of figure out, OK, well, you could you could arrive there a number of different ways and then. The recent grad or whatever it might be just has that kind of they've literally just come out of that kind of researching environment where they're open to figuring out, you know, how to how to learn fast, how to go about new things. And that's the optimum kind of brain, I think, that you want to come in and basically uh, figure out new stuff. And again, the value that that brings is just enormous.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's really reassuring for us to hear as well, I think. Yeah. Um... 100% yeah amazing okay so after we're coming
0: to the end of the podcast we have a few special questions I actually just have a bit of a random question to be honest um, I'm not sure how often you get this but where did the name squid come from
1: <laughs> um Yeah, this is this is a bit of a bit of a long one, (laughs) really. But uh, but essentially, I suppose it was more to do with uh, we 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 wanted initially the the app to have a character in it, and so we were kind of thinking around what made sense in terms of a of a character for the app. And um, Katie Katie was kind of gunning for for an animal, and I was um, gunning for something to do with the sea, basically. And uh, then the logic was okay. Well, let's go for a smart animal. Um, and something that makes sense with uh, holding a lot of kind of cards and stuff like that so initially we kind of focused in on octopus so you know having something that um, would hold lots of kind of cards be able to ink the cards and stuff like that um but then when we got to it uh, octopus was actually taken um so we had to go with squid basically but squid again you know kind of it kind of made a bit more sense squid, it, it almost sounds a bit like quid or something like that. There's a kind of a, there's almost a financial kind of sound to it as well. But it kept with that thing of, you know, holding lots of cards with, as you were saying, lots of tentacles and things like that. We had this goal as well, I suppose, of kind of changing the way that loyalty is is done. And um, one focus that we're we're constantly working towards kind of bringing into the app is, you know, aside from the the kind of traditional buy X, get one free or kind of a discount on purchases. The more we talk to consumers and the more we talk to businesses, we sort of found out that that's not what drives actual loyalty in a business. It's much more to do with getting to know the brand. It's much more to getting to know the, the story of the people, the people themselves really liking their products. And so, you know, a simple kind of um, a simple thank you um, or just interacting with consumers can go a long way compared to just giving out a kind of a discount. And so one thing that we were really interested in in doing was aligning initiatives um, with what consumers and businesses were focused in. So we wanted to we've started basically with tree planting as a kind of an environmental initiative. Um, but yeah, my my goal basically would be to do something to do with the sea long term. Um, so removing plastic from the sea or uh, there's a mad one too called um, phytoplankton uh, which are these things basically that produce loads of oxygen so sort of the same same is uh, they take in loads of carbon dioxide and uh, they'll produce loads of oxygen but sea is bigger all that sort of stuff so uh so that was that was initially also part of it so that's um there you go there's a very there's a very long winded answer
0: loads of different layers i love that because i remember i was in dash by, in dublin by hole in the wall and my friend and i both saw it i think it was around 2020 20, yeah around 2020 we're going on one of those covid walks and coffees and chats and uh, we saw squid i was like oh my god what's that so it's definitely a talking point i'm, I'm glad i got that uh the ceo's explanation of the name it was interesting and then to kind of wrap up you kind of brought us through we're going a bit international with squid is there any future plans to expand in Ireland or expand in other countries for Squid?
1: Yeah, so basically, exactly as you were saying, I mean, the the market opportunity for us is just absolutely enormous. So, you know, there is no market leader, basically, in the kind of the loyalty space. Um, But you're talking, this is applicable in theory to literally hundreds of millions of businesses. So for us, it's kind of going back to our product right now is compatible with stamp based loyalty schemes. So what we're working on at the minute is making it compatible with all loyalty schemes. So our focus basically is just trying to build the best product for consumers, for app users. Um, But it's not lost on us basically that those same people also shop in, you know, uh, supermarkets, they shop in petrol clothes shops, etc, all these different kind of things. So... Um, yeah, our goal has always been to put all your loyalty guards in the one place. So it's about now expanding into those different kind of verticals. We've already shown that we can bring it across the world. So, you know, our next step would be to just kind of drive it on in those other places. And yet next year, again, it would be more about launching in mainland Europe. Um, again, there's a, bit of, there's a bit of tech work to be done there to translate the app um, and things like that into different languages. But also um, the US as well is kind of just another... Another kind of milestone that we wanted to hit, tick um, as we go. So, no, it is. It is as saying that the ambition would be to take this to yeah millions of businesses across the world and to make it compatible with literally everything that's out there
2: our last question for you matthew is if you'd have any parting wisdom for any young person looking into starting their own business is there anything that you know now that you should have had known starting out in this journey
1: yeah geez there's a there's a hell of a lot that i probably would have done different if i was if i was starting again so i'm trying to work out what you what you'd almost like condense it down to first um I definitely think that kind of knowing when you're actually at the right stage to scale is probably one of the first misconceptions is people people will create something and then um, try and scale it automatically. Whereas actually that sort of point in the beginning of making sure that, okay, do we actually have product market fit? And when I say product market fit, are we talking... Like, really regionally, or are we talking globally? And how can you test that assumption basically and just really make sure that you're locked into knowing that what you have is actually delivering value to people? Then the next thing is kind of working out in terms of scaling it like, is the tech scalable? Is the processes that you have scalable? Is it going to collapse one day if you, uh, if basically. You know, I mean, one of the big things for us now is we've kind of broken a thousand places using it is all the like uh, customer support, basically, of talking back to places using it and things like that. So there's loads of kind of just different pillars of things that emerge as you as you scale. And so to talk to somebody who has scaled a business before and get a heads up on what will what will basically become an issue as as you scale, but only as I'm saying after achieving that product market fit in the first place. So I think, I think, yeah, that would that would probably be the main one is don't scale before you have product market fit.
2: Okay, amazing. Well, I think I can speak for both Kleena and myself when I say that that was extremely enjoyable and we definitely learned a lot. So thank you very much, Matthew, for taking the time to have a chat with us today.
1: Jesus, no, thanks very much for having me on, guys. Thanks a million. It was great talking to you guys. Thank
2: you. Thanks a million.